There it is. We're back. It's another beautiful Wednesday. I'm so excited for a return guest. We're going to have some awesome things to talk about. Uh, solo poly, not hierarchical, dating around. What's the difference? Well, we're going to have that conversation. So tune in. We're going to have a good time. Here we go. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome to this beautiful, semi-gloomy Wednesday. It's all good. we got to love it. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome, and thank you for tuning in. And if you've been here for a while, then you already know we're live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Three opportunities every single week for you to ask questions. So if you've got any questions about your relationships or if there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, slide into my DMs and let me know or leave a comment while we're recording live. Follow the show on all social media platforms at Practicing Polyay. Let me know what it is that you want us to talk about. And as always, as a reminder, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. None of us are perfect, and we're here to share our imperfect stories because the more stories we share, the more others will see us in themselves, and the more representation we have, the more we can strengthen our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com, sign up to share your imperfect story too. All right, everybody, here we go. Let's introduce today's awesome guest. Today's guest has graced us with his presence and wisdom once before, and I'm so stoked to have a chance to chat with him again. Our guest is a mentor, consultant, and coach who's been creating polyam content and facilitating courses and workshops to help people along their journey through multigamy, also known as non-monogamy. He offers support to help people with relationship issues, honesty and authenticity in relating, life transformation, and major life crises. In our first episode, we talked a lot about compersion and jealousy and connecting to our authentic selves. Check out episode 48 for a recap on that round one. And today, we're going to dive into different polyamory and love styles and methodologies. And I can't wait to hear what our guest has learned from his own life and from helping others work through these issues as well. Joining us today from Open Relating out of London, where it's really late. And thank you so much for hanging out with us. Welcome to the show, Roy Graff. <laughs> Hopefully that music wakes you up a little. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know you're not asleep. Thank you, though, Roy, for hanging out with me, for uh, spending time with me today. I really, really appreciate it. Hey, it's great to be back. Yeah. So uh, I want to ask you, I want to start by asking you uh, first about some of the collaborative things that you've been up to. I, I know I've seen your name getting thrown around. You got some stuff going on with uh, different folks in our community. What, what do you got going on? Tell me a little bit about, about what you've been uh, keeping yeah. busy. With well, months. it's been a really busy summer. Um, and uh, through uh, mostly through Instagram, I connected with other um, people involved in kind of influencer influencers and social media content and education around polyamory, non-monogamy and relationships. And uh, it's been really great to get to know other people and think of what we can do together. So I guess I can update you on a couple of things. Um, I've joined the Remodeled Love Discord server um, mm -hmm. that's run by uh, uh, Jessica. I think you right. know her. And um, I'm there now as a mod for the men's channel. Mm -hmm. So that's a kind of new collaboration that just started that I'm excited about. Uh, 
stimulating discussion there and offering advice and support uh, specifically around men's experience of polyamory. Is there and, anything that stands out to you so far? I know you've only been doing it for kind of a short time, but is there anything yeah. that has stood out to you so far? Maybe something that somebody has reached out for advice or assistance on and, you know, you were able to jump in or the community was able to jump in and, and really give some some valuable feedback. Anything that stands out to you? I mean, it's really early days because it's only been a few days that uh, I've been involved okay. in that. Um, but uh, so, I, I mean, I think we'll have to wait and see. Generally, there's a lot of discussion there in different channels and, and the men's channel is only one of quite a few. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, the, and, I, and I can't, I don't want to mention specific kind of calls, requests for advice because that might identify too many details. So, sure, but sure. yeah, there have been a few people uh, coming in with questions and I think I still want to give it a bit of time to um, develop into specifically what is common for men uh, in their experience. So uh, I have some ideas of questions that I can ask in there and prompt discussion, but also uh, see what people are coming up with. But as I said, it's just been a few days, so nothing nice. specific yet. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing and hearing more about that later on. All right, so let's dive in then, and let's start talking about uh, our actual topic. So we said solo poly, non-hierarchical, just dating around. What's the difference? So I had offered something else as a potential topic, and mm -hmm. you brought this up. So why, I guess, what is it, what's going on in your life, or what are you seeing that makes you want to bring up this specific topic? Well, uh, in terms of like collaboration and stuff, uh, I could talk about that a little bit, but I, I think generally uh, when things are ready and prepared, we're going to be launching them and announcing them. So I definitely will let you know and keep you updated, but I don't want to, I don't think that it's necessarily uh, is something that we can discuss at length. Mm -hmm. What I did um, from my own personal experience, I've identified now as solo polyamorous for about three years. I have experienced other forms and other dynamics of non-monogamy, including open relationships, hierarchical poly with a nesting partner. Um, and over time, it felt like an evolution into my authentic self's way of, of relating, which is the solo polyamory and um, mm -hmm. kind of underscoring it, our values of relationship anarchy, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, what I've seen around is that oftentimes people, especially if they're not that immersed in polyamory uh, vocabulary and and um, and experiences, maybe are quite new to it or just heard about it for the first time, when they hear solo polyamory, oftentimes the reactions I get are, oh, so you're not ready to settle down. You're not ready to, to be committed. Right. You're not looking for a serious relationship. You just want to date around or play the field. Variations of that theme. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. And I feel that there is a kind of misconception that if you um, want to keep some independence um, in your own, in the way you manage your life and build relationships that are, that allow for, um, I guess, a greater degree of freedom and autonomy, then somehow that's not serious enough or not committed enough. And I don't really think it's true. I think that um, it's just that we are, we all learn from a pretty young age that this idea of a serious relationship or commitment takes the form of external kind of symbolism like marriage or living mm -hmm. together or buying a house or, you know, or kind of enmeshing your life with another person. Yeah. 
and we therefore rely on these external symbols to somehow maintain the structure of the relationship and give us security rather than thinking what well, the security comes from how we are connected to this other person the actual emotional security that comes from getting to know somebody real well for being vulnerable with them right um and allowing them to be vulnerable with you and i think that the commitment can look you know can look and and feel very different to what society generally expects it to look like yeah yeah you hit me with a bunch of stuff there and like yeah. there's a there there was a lot that started to come up for me um we when you talk about you know an open relationship versus polyamory uh, I mean, just that right there is a discussion that people often have. Uh, you know, somebody once asked me, oh, so you're in like an open relationship. And, you know, for me, it's easier to just say, yeah, sure, we'll call it that, you know, close enough, because otherwise there's there's just a lot of, I guess, emotional labor that goes into trying to explain what, you know, polyamory is and uh and I, I don't even know that I necessarily have the words to explain how it's different from an open relationship. What would you say is a difference? The, the way I understand open relationships are um, is that you have a primary uh, partner that uh, you share some exclusive things with in terms of mm -hmm. availability, maybe time commitment, um, particular things you might do together. But essentially, there's an emotional exclusivity there that um that you kind of promise to that person and the openness is generally more on a sexual nature now okay. people will have different definitions and i don't think that there's certainly yeah, one way of really labeling it but my general understanding and what i've seen around uh me is that when people say we have an open relationship they mean they're um they're romantically exclusive but mm -hmm. sexually um are open to other partners casual sexual partners Right. Got it. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, that kind of sounds a little bit like swinging um, and, you know, like a mix between swinging and like hierarchical polyamory, but whatever. Yeah. Well, we don't, we don't need to get, go ahead. No, I, I think that um, um, ultimately this is a continuum. It's a spectrum right. and, and people often change and evolve and, 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 um, feel differently over time in a relationship. And oftentimes there's a very uh, common evolution of people who are starting off monogamous and initially feel that they can keep um, some security in the relationship. They can feel safer if they play together. So they choose swinging right, as an option, right. right? And then over time they realize that they don't have to hold on to that level of security of control over the other partner by making sure that they always see them in play that they always do everything together they kind of relax into okay it's okay to play separately because i trust you enough for that i know that it's not going to be uh, uh, a risk to our relationship and that becomes an open relationship right where people play separately with other partners got it um in that level there's still some need for control over the emotional exclusivity and again i don't believe that you can have any control over feelings and if you have hmm. a regular play partner at some point you may very likely develop feelings for them and then right. for you. So you can't say, I, you can't promise that you will not fall in love or want care for somebody you regularly have intimacy with, right? And what then happens is that it, it might bring about another crisis in the relationship where the partner that ex maybe expects more emotional exclusivity realizes that it's not something that 
they can have control over the other person mm-hmm. or the person that felt that they are connecting emotionally within with somebody outside the relationship brings that in and says, you know what, I, I know that we discussed that the, we wouldn't fall in love, but it's happened. Now right. what? Right. So yeah. that can create a crisis and the crisis is usually an opportunity to go deeper, to uh, learn about each other more, to bring more authenticity into the relationship and build better trust. Heck yeah, and I ultimately, love that. It's the, it's the trust in my partner looking out for me and wanting my best interest and therefore not knowingly hurting me that allows me to basically relax and say, okay, you, I don't control you. You do whatever feels right for you. I want you to be happy. And if that means also loving another person, you know, I, as long as I'm not feeling like something is taken away from me, then that's fine. But sometimes people need you know to... You haven't seen it, Miguel. I haven't seen it. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> People need that process, need that time and those experiences to come to, to, to learn those lessons. They do. Yeah. And it, it does take, it does take time. Um, and I really love what, what you were saying, you know, that uh, what kept coming to mind is you can't regulate emotions. You can't regulate feelings. You can't, you know, expect someone to not fall in love if, if they're, you know, consistently having, like you said, intimacy with, with uh with someone like the you can't regulate those feelings so it gets really hard um i guess that kind of leads into the independence and autonomy that you were talking about um in the relationship structure that we were just talking about like an open relationship or or anything hierarchical uh it seems to me that there would probably be less independence and autonomy as opposed to something like solo polyamory non-hierarchical or just dating around um for people who identify as any of these three things that we're that we're talking about today um i guess the independence and autonomy is the most important thing to them and then the other thing that you were talking about was the commitment Right. And and externally, we want to see these different signs of commitment. We want to see the ring on the finger. We want to see the ceremony. We want to see the, you know, uh, all of these different relationship escalator type things to signify that a relationship is is committed. Um, but what you said was the amount of vulnerability vulnerability that I show in a relationship is also a sign of commitment. So I, I'm, I'm kind of taking all of these different parts and pieces and trying to figure out, you know, for somebody who's either SOPO or non-hierarchical or, uh, you know, just dating around is commitment important. Is it something that they're looking for? Are they really just valuing that independence and autonomy? And maybe, you know, I I guess, I guess what, what are your thoughts on, on, on all of that independence and, and autonomy versus commitment how do they work together? Yeah. Well, um, I have a lot of thoughts on that. And, and some, you know, a part of it is my own personal journey and my own values. And I want to kind of, I want to be clear that uh, what those are and then talk about maybe more, more generally about um, clients that I see and, and what happens in groups that I facilitate in terms of sharing. So what I see more around, but, but at the bottom line, people are just different. The, the, the needs that people are have and the values that they hold, dear to them are going to be different. And I don't, I I won't go into why that is, you know, like for example, why somebody needs uh, a lot of security and therefore needs those, those um, external symbols, symbols 
of commitment mm-hmm. like uh, marriage or a house together um, or, or, or um, hierarchy of some kind. The needs can, can, are complex and they can come from uh, an attachment style, you know, being kind of anxiously attached. It can come mm-hmm. from uh, childhood trauma. There's lots of different reasons. It can also be cultural in terms of the expectations that you uh, develop thanks to what society in a way kind of uh, indoctrinates us to believe. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a subject for another <laughs> podcast, another, another episode. The, the, the fact is that we all have different needs and, and, and different values. So when, in my case, I realized through a lot of internal kind of exploration is that for me, the, free, the, the value of freedom and autonomy is, is a super important value, one of the top ones for me, right? And in a hierarchical uh, relationship, sometimes I can feel like there is uh, some threat to that freedom. It doesn't have to be, you know, you can be in a hierarchical relationship, you can be in an open relationship where you know you have total freedom and you, but you agree to live by certain agreements. Mm-hmm. So it's not that, I don't think that the, 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 the need for, or the kind of thinking of freedom as this um, uh, super value doesn't necessarily mean you would choose solo polyamory or relationship anarchy um, or something like that. But uh, in combination with um, the way you kind of live, live your life, your, the way you make your money, the way you socialize and, and, and kind of any other um, demands on your time and your energy, that might be the best solution for you. In my case, I don't have a, necessarily a, a major hierarchy amongst my partners, but it doesn't mean, I mean, but, but basically there are certain partners I see more frequently, others I see less frequently mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons of work and children and other relationships, et cetera, right? Sure. So um, I'm not looking for um, a, a, a symbol like time spent together or activities we do together to determine the value of that relationship or a hierarchy there. It's really all about whether I, we enjoy being together and when we enjoy what we're doing together and we focus on that. And in some cases that means seeing a person once a month and sometimes it means seeing a person twice a week. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And, you know, that was actually another thing that I was going to to ask you was, you know, does time spent equal commitment? Um, but you basically already answered that. And, you know, it, that's not necessarily what it is. It's a matter of valuing the relationship for whatever amount of time that you spend together. It seems like yeah. what you're saying is that this is this is what I'm getting from it. Uh, that the value of the relationship is something that my partner and I determine and, you know, have to have to come to terms with that uh, together, as opposed to what other people outside of us might be saying, thinking or seeing. So, you know, if uh, my partner and I decide that, you know, we are only going to see each other, you know, once or twice a month because we've got all these different things going on. Like that doesn't take away from the commitment that we have to one another to, you know, spend that time together. It doesn't devalue the relationship automatically, but external viewers, anybody seeing it from the outside might say, oh, what's going on with you guys? Like, is everything okay? Or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. 
and and it takes a it takes a certain level of um of of, of self confidence and self security to not be swayed by the way other people necessarily judge your relationships and also to not end up comparing yourself to other you know to metamors or other people that that your partner is seeing for mm-hmm. example that's a that's so, a big one yeah and that's not so easy <laughs> but uh yeah. it's something that you can work on and uh sometimes it might mean asking for some reassurance that we're still good or that you know that we have something on the cards to do in the next week even if we're not seeing each other this week there are ways that you can you know obviously offer reassurances but it, it does take a lot of um uh self-work i would say um to be good with that and people who practice self kind of soul polyamory um also know that it's good for them to spend time on their own right and you know so for me part part of the reason i'm choosing this as a relationship dynamic is i like to have my own space i like to have my apartment i like to sometimes just be alone and do things with myself i also have other friends and family commitments that i want to be totally responsible and in control of mm-hmm. and this way i am able to do that you know right now um will 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 things change in the future maybe i don't know i don't i like to know that i like to think that the future is is something unknown that will surprise me but and I, and i think that uh maybe in the future i will live with with a partner or more than one partner it, it's who knows i don't really think too much about it gotcha i i i i accept that um these dynamics can evolve and change but in the last few years and right now how i feel this is definitely the right the right uh, dynamic for me you know i'm i'm going to not necessarily challenge you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you specifically about that. Uh, I was having a conversation yesterday uh, with a couple of friends, and you know, we talked about how our biggest fears were loneliness, or some of our biggest fears were loneliness. And so I think of um, so solo poly, uh, non hierarchical, uh, just dating around. You know, especially in situations where we don't have people that we live with or you know that kind of commitment and you know thinking about that in like a long term right like what's going to happen when we're not able to take care of ourselves anymore when we're in that elderly age you know do you think about like any of that stuff and like where what what might your life look like well, I guess let me challenge you back. If you uh, lived with a partner and you thought, okay, I'm living with somebody, I have somebody to share my life with. In old age, we'll do, we'll kind of share everything together and 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 age together. And they unfortunately, um, you know, uh, die before you, or mm-hmm. at some point something happens where you just you break up um, much later in life. You're still going to be on your own now. Right. If all of your aspirations and hopes about old age were tied to this one person to to um, relinquish your lon- your loneliness mm-hmm. dissipate your loneliness then there are high chances that something might go wrong that that will totally shatter that right and i think that uh regardless of whether you're polyamorous not hierarchical not hierarchical even monogamous having a wider social network and having a wider network net of of, of people that are close to you that you can be Total yourself with, or can, you can be vulnerable with, and you have intimacy with, is the best way to ensure that in old age you won't be alone. Um, so I have several partners. I have also close friends, 
you know, and I don't think that my relationship with my friends is any less important or valuable than that with my partners. And um, I am very happy to think about growing old with friends around me and maybe in the future living together with other friends. And whether it's romantic partners or not, it's not really the problem. I know, yeah, I mean, we're, we're social animals and we want to be around other people, mm-hmm. not all the time. Um, and for me, the, the real solution is, yes, is to have um, a network of close friends and people I can trust and I can call on when I need something and, and I know that I can be there for them yeah. um, and not put all of those all of that on one person because that's a lot of response hell of a lot of <laughs> for sure i mean that's yeah. that's part of the reason why uh polyamory really works for me uh is you know i can i don't have that i don't put all of that pressure on one person i can kind of spread it around and you know kind of going on with that conversation um you know somebody i had this conversation a long time ago as well uh kind of the same realization where being polyamorous it means that i have multiple people that i can rely on in my old age and i think that i will never be lacking of love in my life like i'm going to love partners i'm going to love friends uh i want to ask you about the 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 friends thing um especially you know in the last 18 months give or take uh with covid and everything um how do you nurture friendships and kind of keep them uh, value them the same way because I, I that's a struggle for me personally where i definitely can um value romantic relationships more or put them on on a little bit of a higher pedestal so to speak um like i guess i i invest more of my time and effort and energy into my romantic partnerships than i do into my friendships um, not necessarily that I value the individuals any less, but it's where I put my energy, right? What yeah. would you, what do you think about that? No, I mean, I think it's a very natural human impulse and that's totally fine um, to, to invest energies in people that also invest energy in us as well, mm-hmm. you know, at, at similar levels. And if my friend has a partner that they live with and a romantic partner, and they're going to have less free time maybe to, to spend with me, even if I want to see them more. So I mm-hmm. think that um, investing in people that are close to you and, and more available to you is a very natural thing to do. But I do, uh, and, and, and it's something that I definitely, you're right about that becoming much more in focus over the last 18 months, where it was very hard to see people face to face. And a lot of more casual relationships really faded when you couldn't see people regularly. Right. Um, because even if you try to see them on, you know, to meet them on FaceTime or Zoom, like you're running out of things to talk about when your routine is essentially the same every day. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So I, um, I think that I started to approach some of my closer friendships, just like a love relationship, but without a sex. Like, so, you know, there's still, there can be cuddles, there can be touch, there can be hugs, there can be expression of, of, of love and intimacy. It's just not a sexual relationship. And I value them a lot. So it kind of, it means thinking about it as something that it's important to invest energy in and maintain like you do with your romantic relationship. And if I haven't seen a friend for a few weeks and I think, well, we need, we, you know, we should spend, or we need to spend time together. And I'm going to contact and said, Hey, let's, let's spend some time together. Let's reconnect. Uh, and 
feed into our friendship. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that kind of stuff is important. I do. Um, I, I, I <laughs> for a long time, I was doing this weekly planner thing and then I stopped for several months and then I did one last week. I didn't do it again this week, but in the weekly planner, there's a little space for like people that I need to reach out to. And that's something that I have very often thought about. And that's something that I definitely thought about last week. And there was, you know, one friend who I hadn't spoken with in a while and it's like, yeah, okay. I, I, I need to call this guy. Um, and I think, I mean, it, it's simple enough to say, yeah, well, you need to put time and energy. I guess I was wondering more like about the equality, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, especially I guess relationship anarchy, they really talk about not putting any relationship above any other. And that's where I was kind of like, I guess for myself, you know, I can, I can see it in, you know, how I care about each individual, you know, whether it's a romantic partner or not. But I was wondering if that's like the same thing where if I put more, effort and time into the romantic relationships does that automatically mean that i don't value my friendships as much well look it's 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 anarchy there are no rules you make your own (laughs) rules and you can change them whenever you want that's why it's called anarchy right nice i love it if you feel that this is how it works for you right now and and the people that you want to value more or spend more time with or in any way elevate the relationship you can make that choice but you you always know it's a choice it's not because society told you to do it that i think that the main thing about relationship anarchy is where does our internal system uh of managing the relationships come from does it come from some kind of social voice you know um or does it come internally from us from our step from our authentic self right 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 Good stuff. Roy, it is a pleasure, as always, to chat with you. We're coming up on our time here, so I want to ask you or give you the opportunity. uh, If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Tell us about uh, some of the things that you've got going on um, and, you know, how people can get get a hold of you to get some of that stuff. So at the moment, I'm in the middle of running my uh, sixth sixth course for the year, which uh, is about... um, changing from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. And that is a, a four-week course with two, um, two-hour workshops every week. Uh, there'll be another one starting in a few months, so people can already sign up on my website. Also, on the 26th of October, I am launching a coaching club, which will be group work. Uh, I'm offering coaching in a more affordable and intimate group setting. Uh, for people to come and present whatever issues they're struggling with and 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 basically work on their goals around specifically non-traditional relationships, polyamory, uh, non-monogamy, and et cetera. So uh, that's something that people can also find on my website. And um, basically, yeah, I would love to work more with men. A lot of my clients are generally um, women, identify as women. And, and uh, I think that they generally, on the whole, men maybe don't and struggle so much with reaching out and asking for help hmm. with things. Um, but I do feel that it's important. And it's partly why I, I joined this mod for the, uh, for the Discord uh, server on men. So it'd be great to have more, more um, um, call outs 
from men who may, may want some advice or support on transitioning into polyamory into maybe uh discussing how solo polyamory might work for them etc so yeah just an open invitation and i do offer uh an, a, a first free session as well so nice and that uh website one more time it's openrelating.love simple openrelating.love and you can yeah. find roy on instagram on twitter everywhere at openrelating Thank you so much, Roy, for spending some time with me. I really appreciate it. And thank you, as always, to our live audience for tuning in. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for the podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, or sign up for Patreon where you'll get access to our commercial-free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is that you download your podcast if you haven't already, and please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. That's all we've got for this week so appreciate all of you and until next week as always have a nice day thank you for tuning in to the practicing polyamory podcast would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation please support us by subscribing liking and following us on social media at practicing polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicing polya